Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Brissett out of the gun on second down. Steps up. He's got time. Throws over the middle. The ball's caught by T.Y. Hilton. Looking for the sideline. Makes a man miss. He's at the five. And he dives for the pylon. Touchdown. Touchdown. T.Y. Hilton. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. A 19-yard pass. Pater for T.Y. And it's 24-22. Brissett out of the gun. Marlon Mack to the right. Three receivers go right. Now they're going to move Mack in motion, setting up to the left side of Brissett. Out of the shotgun, takes a snap, hands off to Marlon Mack, looking, looking, powering forward. No signal yet. He's in there. A two-point conversion is good, and we are tied. We are tied at 24. The Colts have come all the way back to tie the game with 38 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter. The two-point conversion is good by Marlon Mack. L.A. breaks the huddle. Keenan Allen splits out wide to the right side. Running back is Eckler. I formation. Rivers under center. Tight end left. That's Hunter Henry. Now he's going to motion to the right side. Takes a snap. Hands off to Eckler. Cuts up field. And he has hit. Rolls into the end zone. Touchdown. Game is over. And the Chargers win. So freaking close. Oh, man. Who would have thought? Your Hall of Fame kicker, the one to blame for a win that I think would have done a whole lot for how the future of this season looks here in 2019. Colts lose 30-24 in overtime to the Chargers on Sunday. Austin Eckler there with the game-winning score in OT. And Adam Vinatieri is the one to blame for the sixth straight season opening loss. For the Indianapolis Colts, Joey Molinaro um, singing the blues on this Monday morning after his performance from the Steelers on Sunday night, so sorry to you and sorry to a lot of listeners out there. Uh, it's all right. <clears throat> Knew it was kind of going to be that way going into it. Kind of had to mark it up 0-1, but yeah, I'm learning. I think we're all learning pretty quickly that uh, any, nowadays you really can't know what to expect from the Colts on any on any front. <laughs> no, you can't take anything for, for granted. Um, <laughs> if you'd have told me three weeks ago, yeah, Andrew Luck's going to retire. Adam Venteri's going to look like you kicking a football in week one. I would have said that you were an idiot, man. Mm-hmm. You would have been right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into a lot of that today on this edition of Kevin's Corner. I, I do think in a weird way, Joey, that there is this hope and optimism. You know, it's kind of odd. The Colts never led in that game. Uh, they didn't cover. It was a push, I think, was the final line. I think it was six and a half. What was it? Was it, was it six and a half? That's what I got. Um, <laughs> you like weren't, you know, it. When you look at the numbers afterwards, you're kind of like, wow, where's this optimism? If you're just watching the scoreboard at the end of the game, but when you dive deeper into it, you know, the biggest question mark you had played very well for you in, in Jacoby Brissett. And I guess that might be the most disappointing part of it for fans. It's that the guy you had a lot of concerns about or just unknown about, he delivered. He played winning football for you, and the rest of the team couldn't. Um, and just a multitude of mistakes that we'll get into on this podcast um today we will like we usually do after games when the Colts lose we start with things I didn't like and when they win we start with things I like there are some still some 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 things that I definitely like from yesterday's performance that we'll get into but man it's just I don't know it's just such a sour taste of like you don't question the effort at all 
But that special teams performance and the kicker, it's just that could have been such a big win. When you look at this road schedule and you think of how difficult it is and the opportunity was there to steal a road win, and now you're behind the eight ball and you're playing a team in the Titans next week who was one of the storylines of week one for what they did against the Browns. And so that that I just think is where the NFL in a 16-game schedule – if you have more than one moral victory, you're drafting the top 10. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just the reality of this league. Yep. Saw it a lot in 2017 when Jacoby Brissett had to fill in for the entire year. There was a lot of those like, oh, well, we feel good about it. Yeah, but in the win-loss column, it's not doing you any favors. And think about, like, all the mistakes that we would typically maybe talk about, but we won't mention too much because it was mostly on Adam and Terry and the special teams. But you think to, like, I guess it goes down as a, a drop. Eric Ebron, a drop touchdown. Mm-hmm. Justin Houston offsides penalty negates a Kamoko Terry uh, strip sack. You had a partially blocked punt. Like you, my my brother's a huge analytics guy, huge numbers guy. He used to be the Colt statistician for the radio team. He texted me after the game last night. How many times do you think a team has lost in the NFL when they rush for more than 200 yards and they don't commit a turnover? Got to be very, very few. So, of course, he gets me thinking. And in the last two years, I think 19 times it's happened in the NFL where a team has rushed for 200 yards and had a turnover. Those teams are 18-1, and one, and they win those games by, like, at least 20 points. There's dom- the one? God, I knew you were going to ask me that. I want to say it was, like, the Seahawks lost in overtime or something like that. It's just that is the ultimate recipe for winning a football game. I right. think about any old school coach. Run the football, per, protect the rock. If we yep. do that, we're going to win. The Colts did that yesterday, and they come away with a, with a loss. And I think that's the excruciating part of, all right, you're resilient to come back from 15 points down. Now can you be very resilient, go on the road, and win a critical divisional game? Well, other football coaches do say that, but they also say, hey, it's a three-part game. It's a three-phase game, and the special teams for the Colts yesterday was tough. Let's start with in the things you didn't like. You mentioned it, Adam Vinatieri, your Hall of Famer, your GOAT. Didn't come through for you yesterday. The man is a first ballot Hall of Famer, Joey. He will be. He will go down as the greatest kicker in NFL history, and yet anyone that is going to completely excuse him for what he did yesterday is not looking at this how you need to look at it. Um, that was a horrific performance from him. Misses the first kick right on the extra point. Don't know if he then overcorrected on the next two that he missed left. You know, usually Adventary is a nice baby draw. Starts it a little bit right. Thing hooks about three or four yards and money all day. And, and we saw that, I think, from the 46-yarder that he made. I think. Um, so, you know, that that is what – when, when Adam Ventura is kicking the ball well, that's what he's doing. And I just can't believe that we're sitting here Monday morning. And we're going to come at you Monday mornings, I think, this year. Um, try to get the podcast to you a little bit quicker than we did last year after games. We're talking about the Colts kicking issues on a day when the Chargers had a Canadian Football League punter doing the field goal kicking for them. First time. Tyrod Taylor, first time holder. First time long snapper. Three first timers. And, yeah. and their fourth downs were flawless. And the Colts' fourth downs look like Cathedral's JV football team week one. I mean, just, uh, and again, an inexcusable performance from a guy that we, we are not going to, 
ever debate Adam Vinatieri's career and longevity and where he stands in NFL ranks, but we will grade him on the 60-minute performance we just saw out of him yesterday, and it was it was a pathetic performance from Adam Vinatieri, and the Colts have got to critically evaluate him moving forward. I cannot stress that enough. Am I sitting there saying Adam Vinatieri should be cut? No, I'm not going there. But if this happens again, you have got to make the hard decision. You you have to. The NFL, like I said, Joey, 16-game season. You can't just sit here and be like, man, whew, that's a good effort. I mean, I thought our boys played hard, you know. If you're 8-8 eight and eight at the end of the season and there's two games. Then look back to that. You, yep. you, yeah, you, you aren't going to be like, man, well, yeah, that was a good effort. No, you cannot do that. And when we look at Adam Vinatieri over the past year, Joey, He's been a below-average NFL kicker in this league. If you're ranking the kickers 1-32, to 32, Adam Vinatieri does not rank in the top 16 of kickers in this league. He finished last year, I believe it was, I think, 17th in field goal percentage and like 23rd or 24th in extra point percentage. Mm-hmm. He did not have a good season last year for his standards. You pay him like a top 10 kicker in the league, he's not been a top 10 kicker in the league over the last 12 months. And I hate talking about, like, kickers and, like, having to evaluate. I think it's so – I love the kicking element in games. So I think it's very unpredictable. And, I mean, I love college kickers more than anything because you never know if they're going to make it or yeah, yeah. shank it and, you know, pray that their girlfriend still wants to come over <laughs> after the game or, you know, or if they make the game-winning kick, they – you know, text up. King of the campus. Hottest yeah. sorority and yeah, meet me at the bars. It's going down. Um, it's just so weird that this is what costs the Colts this football game. And you look at the Kansas City game last year when he misses the short field goal to end the first half, misses the extra point in that game as well. Like, I thought the field conditions in Arrowhead were, you know, n- not great. I'm not going anywhere on this. It was a soccer pitch yesterday that was awkward. Like Ty Long looked like he was a damn good kicker. Mm-hmm. And I know he missed all three in the same direction, Vinny as well. But it's just something that you have to make sure you don't totally give him a bypass on this. Of like, all right, this cannot happen again because the stats we saw last year, how he played in that Kansas City game, how he played week one, um, I don't know. I mean, Vinny didn't say it's an injury thing at all, Joey. He was on the injury report, or I guess he was hurt, in August. Had a knee injury, missed probably two weeks of practice, but he kicked. The night Andrew Luck retired, Adam Vinatieri kicked in that Bears game. Made a 49-yarder. Looked fine. Looked great. I mean, a little bit of practice we do watch right now. We watch special teams. Mm -hmm. Vinatieri's been kicking, booming kicks. And... Any little nick or bruise for a 46-year-old guy, that gets exposed. We saw the Buffalo game last year. The Colts dominated that game. Vinatieri missed two extra points. A groin injury appears in the injury report the following week. It's just things like that where father time eventually gets to everyone. Would it have been great for Robert Mathis to end his career with 20 sacks and riding off in the sunset? Yes, but that's not reality. This is not Steven Spielberg's scripts. This is life in the NFL. So I, I I think based off his I think any kicker 
I would be surprised if an NFL team like cut a kicker for the performance we saw Vinatieri have yesterday. Like that's I think that's a bit drastic, especially given that like he was he was decent last year. He mm-hmm. he was okay last year. It's not like this is the Chicago Bears or some crazy situation. But if something develops again, you have to have to look into it. And it, it, it's sad to say, but that's the reality of playing football in the NFL. Well, believe it or not, there were other special teams issues. Of course, everybody knows who was watching the game that didn't involve Adam Vinatieri. What was going on with that? Yeah, just a dumpster fire on special teams. I think I count 14 points, Joey. Yeah, f- oh, I count 14 points that I blame on the special teams. Seven for the Vinatieri kicks. Then Danico Autry's penalty takes three points off the board for the Chargers. Automatic first down. They get seven points. And then the partially blocked punt. 20-yard punt. Set up the Chargers in great field position. They get a field goal out of that drive. So, um, just again, a a horrific performance from a unit that we're used to them being so solid here in Indianapolis. Like, we don't worry about kickers in this town. There's not a lot of NFL towns. (laughs) That can say that. But the kicking performances yesterday for the Colts cost them the football game. Uh, Danico Autry, is it a stupid penalty? Probably. Is it boneheaded? Yeah. You're a six-year veteran. You can't make that mistake. You know that you line up there on every extra point, every field goal. You cannot make that sort of mistake. And just the, I don't know. It's, I feel like it was such a short kick. You know, are you really expecting, like, do you need to be that violent and going after it? I, I know I shouldn't, like, you know, commend Tell him. Tell him low for anything. Yeah. yeah, commend him for not, you know, having a loaf or whatnot. But I'm sorry, that, that can't happen. And then Kari Willis, Joey, I thought struggled yesterday, the rookie out of Michigan State. He's blocking Drew Tranquil, Notre Dame product, Fort Wayne product, former Mr. Football, not 100% sure on that. Um he gets the hand on the Rigoberto Sanchez punt and only goes 20 yards. And that leads to a field goal as well. And we don't even talk about, like, even the opening kick. <laughs> you know, it was a 40-yard return, I think, yeah. which is so rare to see in today's NFL. And the Chargers didn't get any points out of that. But what it did is it established some field position early on, where then they pinned the Colts inside the 10. The Colts go, I think they had one first down, and then they had a punt. And now the Chargers are working with a, a bit of a shorter field that they end up scoring on that touchdown. So this is the phase that you should not have to worry about. That phase has got to be rock damn solid, especially with Jacoby Brissett being under center. And it wasn't at all yesterday. And it cost you the football game. There's a lot of missed tackles mm. for the defense yesterday. And I don't know what to contribute that to. Looked like they were punching out. What what was going on with the defense? Yeah, I think you're spot on with both of that. Like, at times, I feel like they go for the turnover too much, you know? And Darius Leonard's even mentioned, like, I know that there's some times that I probably punch too much. It's like, if you're the first guy there, you got to make that tackle. Like, where's that fine balance? Right, the punch is supposed to come from the next guy exactly. or the next guy. Right. And on the Eckler touchdown, I think it was the last one in regulation, the big bowling ball butcher knife touchdown he's bouncing off Pierre Desir and Darius Leonard they're both going for the punch yeah you got to make oh, that yeah. tackle and this is I think some of the concern I had about resting your starters in the preseason Joey it's like do you get enough physicality in on the defensive side of the ball to feel like you're a sound tackling unit the Chargers should not have had more than six yards per carry yesterday 
and they did. And I think when we look at this defense, the offense played winning football. The defense did not, and the special teams didn't even play losing football. Whatever's worse than than losing, that's what they played. Um, we are grading this defense on a higher standard in 2019. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm setting the curriculum for the 2019 Colts, and we are grading the defense on a higher standard. You bring back all 11 starters. You sign Justin Houston. You spend seven of your first eight draft picks on that side of the ball. It's time to be looked at as you should be an above-average unit in the NFL. And how do you look against good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks? Whatever you want to throw Phillip Rivers in there, he's, he is a great quarterback. And yesterday was very poor. And for a Chargers team that missed their starting left tackle and their starting running back, I expect better than six yards per carry from Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. I do. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, going into it with the oh, with the offensive line being down a few guys and everything. I mean, what what was the reasoning behind it? Was it just getting beat up front? Was it not? Was it poor tackling? All of the I, above? I think it was poor tackling for sure. I think you were beat up front to a degree. Now th- there were some nice moments from the pass rush. I thought your young rushers off the edge, right? Yeah, gave you some solid production. Turay and Banagoo and Muhammad. Um, Houston had the sack. But that rush defense, I mean, there were so many times they were just getting gashed. Just gashed. And then I thought at times, too, when you blitzed, you you didn't get home. Like, I know it was Kenny Moore blitzing a good amount. It wasn't the Kenny Moore we saw in the Houston game last year. Like, the Chargers identified him pretty well. And how about the third and 13 touchdown to Keenan Allen? Oh, yeah. That was brutal. You blitz six. That's a lot for the Colts. You bring six on a third and 13, and you have a quarterback back there that probably runs a slower 40 than I do. You've got to get to him or at least force him to get rid of the ball earlier than he was able to wait for Keenan Allen and Keenan Allen makes a good play on Rocky scene and not a good day for the Colts rookie defenders. Banagoo, yes, but not for rock, not for Kari Willis. Again, who would have thought that after training camp and, and the, you know what I mean? It's just right, right. I mean, those were the guys that played well. Banagoo is more the question mark. Um, I didn't love. I certainly don't like seven of eleven on third down. Mm-hmm. I thought the middle of the field got exposed. Yeah, and that overtime drive just was flawless. W- what one third down and little JJ Watt easily picks up that third and one. You know, it's mm-hmm. just you know someone DM me after the game. What about not having Jabal sheared? Is that something we don't talk about enough? Maybe on some of those rundowns. I mean, that's where Jabal sheared gives you a presence. But when I hear Danico Autry say during the week, I see some things I like talking about the Chargers banged up O-line. And I didn't feel like Autry in the interior rush gave you enough. Because that's what can impact Rivers. If you can muddy that pocket in the interior, that can go a long way into having success and disrupting his elite timing. And I didn't think that was there. You know, it's just... Point blank, I didn't think that your defense played winning football, which is shocking to me that you gave up six yards per carry. It, you can look at stats in so many ways. If you show me 120 quarterback rating for Jacoby Brissett, no turnovers, 200-plus yards rushing, I say win 99 out of 100 times. You show me six yards per carry given up to running backs, over 300 yards passing, you know, I probably think that you're losing that game definitely not 90% of the time, but you're losing it more often than you're winning it. So um, I would like to have seen better 
out of the defense against a banged-up Chargers offense. One last thing you didn't like, and this one came a little bit after the game. We saw the news of Devin Funches with a broken collarbone. Yeah, I'm glad you snuck this in there. Um, Tom Pelissero had the report right before um, your boy went to bed last night. Broken collarbone. It happened, I think, on that final drive, right? I think it was the final drive yep. of regulation. Yep, it was a little fade down there. Fade pattern to Funches, immediately holds his shoulder. Um, a- as we're recording this, it's 9-14 on your Monday morning. No confirmation from the Colts yet. We'll see if Frank Reich has an update on the conference call, which is coming at 4 p.m. this afternoon. I-, I hate giving out medical diagnosis, but I will say I'm a Notre Dame fan. Uh, they've had two guys suffer broken collarbones so far. And I feel like the diagnosis there is kind of like a four to six, potentially four to eight week sort of thing. I know it's wide, but like they've got a tight end that's more of like a four weeker. And then they've got a receiver that's banged up right now that I think is more of like a six weeker. So right in there. I broke my collarbone, Kevin. And Boom. it was about six to eight weeks. There you go. Um, so there's our firsthand source, Joey Molinaro, on that. Uh it's certainly notable. I mean, Devin Funches. I thought Jacoby Brissett looked at him in some critical moments yesterday. A fourth down. Yep. Um, I thought it was interesting that the Colts went with the whole with Funches a lot of times the three by one set where you have this 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 trips to the right and you even doing some misdirection to make sure that Funches is in man coverage on the weak side of the formation. And simply, this is Frank Reich saying. Devin Funches, I brought you here for a reason. You're 6'4", 225. You go win against man coverage, and that's why you are here. So clearly there is some trust that the Colts have in Devin Funches that you're going to have to find a replacement for. Listeners of this podcast know full well I'm very high on Deion Kane. Uh-huh. I liked what Deion Kane showed yesterday. I'd like to see more snaps now from Deion Kane. Let me pull up pull up those um, wideout snap snap counts from yesterday. I was gonna say I know we're gonna get a bunch of questions about uh, who's gonna exactly what you're talking about replacement Funches. Who's it gonna be? Yeah. So Hilton played 56 of 63. Joey Funches played 36. Zach Pascal played 23. That is a lot. Man, I must have missed something then because I. I don't even really remember seeing him out there. Yeah, I mean, he's their best run blocking wide out. Yeah. So maybe in that third quarter, he played a lot. Paris Campbell, 18 snaps. Deion Kane, 11. Chester Rogers, the gooser. Zero offensive snaps for Chester Rogers. Wow. Paris Campbell had two touches, Joey. I don't like that. That number's got to go up. I mean, I know you pounded it. You only threw it 27 times. But I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more of kind of like, all right, Paris Campbell, here's three or four touches, et cetera. Deion Kane's going to have to play a lot more. And who knows? I mean, do you bring back Krishan Hogan? I, I don't know. You can get by with, I think, just dressing five wideouts. But maybe you want a little bit of a bigger body. You have two wideouts on your practice squad. Chad Williams is a former third-round pick, actually, that's on your practice squad, who I think is like 6'2". So... Maybe go that route, but it is a notable loss. I don't think it's like crippling, crippling loss. 
because you have tight ends you can rely on, and I really like Deion Kane. But but now just more of an onus, I think, goes on his shoulders. Well, believe it or not, there was things that you liked, and there was there was a lot of positives to take away. I think you talked about it in the intro, even in a thirty to twenty four loss, and you can't really start anywhere but with Jacoby Brissett. Um, is outstanding too big of a compliment? I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be upset with that. And I say that not based off just like how Jacoby Brissett played the game of football yesterday, but I say that more so in just how chaotic of a two week period that guy has had. You know, a lot of guys would have gone down there and pissed down their leg. And, yeah, maybe the first pass was a little bit shaky that, that, that could have been picked off. But I thought after that, man, he was in rhythm. He was efficient. He spread the ball around. Frank Reich admitted after the game, we wanted to dink and dunk it a little bit. But dink and dunk it is something Brissett hasn't done a great job of in, you know, the few times we've ever seen him in a game setting. But I thought... He executed the passing game really well. If we're going to nitpick, yes, you got to see more of a vertical passing game at some point. I thought the play action could have shown up there in the second half once the run game really got going. For sure. Um, but I, I just like the poise. I think eight guys caught a ball. Uh, Jacoby Brissett played winning football for you. Uh, did a nice job, I think, of evading the rush a couple of times as as well and making some plays. And I thought he handled things really well, especially on that final drive where you get the ball at eight minutes. You ran it 11 times on that final drive. And when he needed to pass it, boom, he finds Hilton. Hilton makes a play with the ball in his hands. The fourth down play to Devin Funches. Great ball placement on that. Just solid from Jacoby Brissett yesterday. And... I think, again, that's what gives fans hope moving forward. It's if Jacoby Brissett can repeat those performances Mm -hmm. or improve on them and find more of a vertical passing game to get thrown in the mix, Jacoby Brissett played like a top 20 quarterback yesterday. I I think that, and I I was um, uh, skeptical might be too harsh, but I I wanted to see it out of Jacoby Brissett, and he showed me something yesterday. I thought the ball he delivered to Eric Ebron, in the end zone, it's a big league throw. Oh, yeah. That's a third down red zone throw. And those are the moments that we're talking about of, all right, look at how Phillip Rivers threw the football in in overtime. That was flawless. Can Jacoby Brissett do that in big-time moments? There weren't a whole lot of big-time moments for him throwing the ball yesterday, but that third down, that red zone to Ebron, that's a big-time moment. He delivers a strike, and... You know, we can. We, I guess we haven't really talked about the, that play much. What do you think? When they called it incomplete, couldn't tell live at all. No, but when they called it incomplete, I'm thinking they're not overturning it. And I was thankful that um, Gene Steratore, they went to him, and he explained it that it's not a catch. You got to have was it two feet, I believe, down in yeah. the end zone. Which again, it, to me, it's. We can debate NFL rules for catches and all of that. Like, I'm not debating that. Like, that to me is, I have no idea what it catches anymore in the NFL. But it sounded like from the letter of the law, it was the right call based off what Sterator was saying. And, you know, it, I, maybe it's too harsh, but Eric Ebron's got to hold on to that. No, I think that's totally fair. Uh, you couldn't tell live, like you said, but, I mean, when it's moving around like that and you're rolling out of bounds, yeah. Tough. I, just a little side note with the Brissett, though. I think the Brissett to Hilton connection, that's 
obviously yeah. really important. What was it, eight catches and nine targets, something like that? Two, two touchdowns. I mean, I know yeah. one of them was, you know, yak from T.Y., but But that's still, big. That's something yeah. that you and I have talked about over the past few weeks is your receivers have got to make plays with the ball in their hands. And Hilton did that yesterday big time. And now moving forward again, just get the vertical game going. I thought without Derwin James, with an improved rushing attack in the second half, I thought a shot deep to Hilton or Campbell. I mean, Kane had the 25-yarder. I can't think of anything else over 20 yards. And even attempted. And maybe I'm missing something, but I, I don't even think, you know, you 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 really took a shot down the field. So I think that's something that that, that you need to need to implement moving forward. Obviously, Marlon Mack, really, really strong performance yesterday behind that O-line. Yeah, and I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at halftime. You know, eight carries for 21 yards. Uh, your O-line, I thought, was kind of porous in that first half. And that third quarter, I mean, honestly, it's one of the best quarters running the football you'll ever see in the NFL. And that's not hyperbole at all. I mean, Mack had over 120 yards. You were just gashing them. And Mack was getting to the second level. I thought he had good vision. His patience was really impressive, the patience too. was – he had one run. It might have been in the fourth quarter where I thought he should have cut it up. And he went all the way to, like, the edge of the sideline. Yes. Finally cut it up right. and got a gain out of it. I'm like, wow. Trent Richardson's vision would have been like, <laughs> uh, I'm going to trip over myself and fall down in the backfield. But I thought Mack was great, man. And you know, he got 17 carries in the second half. That's a lot. I mean – 34 carries for a game, if you w- were to double that, you don't see that in today's NFL at all. But um, that was what Frank Reich wants. You know, that that was a top-five rushing attack. Uh, career day for Marlon Mack. Again, got to the second level a lot of times without a whole lot of resistance there in the second half. And, you know, I tweeted out around the two-minute warning of like, well, you might need to see a bit of a sense of urgency here from this offense at some point because – they stayed with that run that entire drive. Now, T.Y. Hilton, you know, did it on his own, but if Hilton gets tackled in bounds there, you would have had to, I think, sped up eventually. For sure. But you stuck with that run for like 11 of the 15 play drive on on that touchdown drive there to end it. So um, the run game needed a wake-up call in the second half. Marlon Mack and the O-line delivered. And I like to play call on the two-point conversion, Joey. Just stick it right to him. Stick it right to him. No silliness, no gadgets, just go. No, that's a play that high school teams run a lot on Friday nights. And if you're Frank Reich, you're thinking, just had a 15-play drive. They're tired. It's hot. Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Mark Glowinski, give some surge. Eat is exactly right. And Marlon Mack put his head down. Marlon Mack put his head down and got in there. And um, that's what you want to see. That's what you need to see. That's what you need to help out your starting quarterback and the run game delivered for you. Yes, the first half you like to see a little bit more consistency, but all in all, good day for the run game. The defense, the tackling on defense was an issue, but when you look at the play that Malik Hooker made (laughs) and the explosiveness and the pass rush ability from the young guys on the edge really good stuff let's start with hooker joey wow i mean wow philip rivers was in awe after the game rivers had a great quote um which i know that this market hates rivers i i 
I love his fieriness. I do. I, I just think it. And Frank Reich loves it. Reich was talking this week. It was Reich, you know, obviously coached right. in, in in San Diego. Uh, Phil Rivers on your football team. That's you love a, him. Yeah, you absolutely love him. But Rivers basically said that he exited the huddle and vividly remembers looking up at the clock and the score and saying, don't commit a turnover. Like, a field goal, it might not win the game, but it improves your odds of winning that football. It was an eight-point football game mm. at the time. Kick a field goal, you're up two scores, and you're really forcing the Colts to move quickly through the air at that point. And he says he saw Hooker. It's not like he didn't see Hooker. He just didn't think Hooker was going to get there. He firmly believed that Keenan Allen would make the catch and have to absorb a hit. That's what he thought was was going to happen. And Hooker's range there. So why are you taking 15th overall? Dare I say Ed Reed-esque? <laughs> Throw it's it back one time for Joey. Chuck Pagano. It's dangerous. Somewhere Chuck Pagano is smiling, breaking down film of the Bears' win, or, uh, the Bears loss in week one, hearing that comment, but that's Ed Reed-like. It is. And just the the fluidness to flash the paw and almost like palm the football. I mean, that's on any highlight reel, NFL highlight reel for the entire 2019 season. And see, this is where I'm on both sides of it for me, Joey. I want Malik Hooker around the ball more, you know, like he can make plays like that. And I get it. Maybe that's why teams don't test the Colts vertically as much because they know Hooker can make those plays. But unless you're in the confined areas of the red zone, I mean, does he does he need to I, – I, I don't know. Yeah, Part of it I'm kind of torn on of like, I get it. You want this cap. You want this final line of your, of your defense. But I also like him around the ball a little bit more. So outstanding play by Hooker to keep the Colts in the game. And then, as you mentioned, I thought the young rusher showed up, which I've talked about on this podcast before. Ture – and Banagu, and let's throw Al-Qadim Muhammad in there as well. They can push the ceiling of this 2019 Colts team a lot higher. If they can give you speed, rushing presence, and man, they feasted on that left tackle. Oh, yeah. Feasted. Russell Okung out. Um, they just had a field day on that backup left tackle. And as I mentioned on Thursday's podcast, that's a bigger drop-off than Anthony Casanza to the Raven Clark or Joe Haig. The Chargers are sorely missing Russell Okung. And, you know, I thought, Joey, we were, we didn't know what the third down rush package was going to look like. And I like to see Justin Houston in the interior with Danico Autry. And then they had Ture and Banagoo on the field to give you that, that, that speed presence. So four sacks. The blitz needs to get home a little bit more. But all in all, good individual day for those young rushers. All right. You want to hop into some Twitter questions? Twitter time. All right, KB. Well, obviously, there's going to be a bunch of Vinatieri questions after the performance from yesterday. You hit on that plenty, it seems, in the opener. Anything else you want to add? Just critically evaluate. If it happens again, you're going to have to make a really, really tough decision. All right, we'll start with our guy, Daryl. He bleeds Colts Blue Smith. He says, after watching Jacoby play yesterday, does your win-loss go up for the Colts? I believe we're an 11-5 and team. Oh, wow. Jeez. Daryl does bleed blue. Um, I probably stick with eight and eight. You know, it's just um, I think there's reason for optimism. Certainly, moving forward, um, 
it's hard. I, I don't. I, I try not to like overreact too much to just one game. I, I know it's the only game we can evaluate, so you have to kind of look at it to some degree. But I try not to all of a sudden fluctuate big win totals one way or the other. Like, are the Ravens a Super Bowl team? Right. Are the Titans a Super right. Bowl team? Like, I don't. September's I, kind of a crapshoot in the NFL. Yeah, seems like every year the Patriots struggle. Then last night, well, they, that's what I'm trying to tell myself to get over <laughs> last night. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but we see it every year. The Saints struggled. You know, out For of sure. the gate. Yeah last year so and the Bengals with the Colts last year and then they went on to be like four and 12 or whatever exactly um so yeah I'm gonna stick with eight and eight do I think maybe there's a better chance at nine and seven I sure I guess I could go there um but I, I'm not gonna no I, I would not bump it up to 11 and five all right from Robbie should we be concerned about how many chunk plays the Chargers were able to get against the defense I think so yeah um that was a big key coming into the game especially that tackling, it just I mean, the running backs average six yards per carry. I mean, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, like that is worrisome. It's like, all right, this defense has got to take the next step. And they did not look like that at all yesterday. From Clayton, young pass rushers looked great yesterday. Ture and Banigou really flashed. Did we find out why Taekwon Lewis was inactive? I feel like he really could have added with the interior rush. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Something that we'll ask about this week. Um, they had Jihad Ward active over him. I don't, you know, Ward had some sacks last year when he was healthy. So I don't know if they want to get Ward more snaps or more. They felt like he could give you more of a pass rushing interior. But that's a healthy scratch. Make no mistake about Taekwon Lewis. He's been healthy now for two or three weeks, and they had to they had to have one defensive tackle on the inactive list. So I was a little bit surprised it was Ward, but yeah, that's something to check on later in the week. Sam asks, who benefits more from the Funchess injury, Kane or Ebron? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I mean, probably Kane, but I do think, you know, maybe you do use a little bit more two tight end stuff, but I'm sorry, Joe. I mean, Joey, I'm kind of ready to unleash Deion Kane, you know? Take him out of the cage of the zoo and put that key down the drain. Like that's something where I think Deion Kane's got to go now, and I, I think he's ready to go. I, I, I think you, 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 you want to see it and you need to see it. Yeah. And now you're you're a bit backed into a corner. So, um, yeah, I'm ready to see Deion Kane become this number two wideout. Tom Gamble wants to know: Do we finally have a pass rush? <laughs> um, I'm not gonna go just there yet. Again. No left tackle, statue quarterback. Four sacks is nice. I would like to have seen the blitz get home. Um, so, yeah, pass rush was, was you know, I'd say better than decent. But I don't think we look at the Chargers as some vaunted team that doesn't get that, that, that don't get sacked a whole lot. I'd like to see a little bit more out of the interior from that pass rush group. But, again, though those young rushers, you like to see what, what, what they showed. And I thought Justin Houston had a couple big rushes as well. And I guess it could have been a fifth sack if Houston isn't offsides in the Kamoko Terry strip man. sack. That's, I know. that's another one. We aren't even talking about those plays. From David Thrush, how would you rate the performance of the rookies? He said it's more of an article idea. What were the snap counts for them? Very meh on the rookies. Yeah. You know, Campbell, what, one carry for one yard, one catch for seven yards? Or maybe it was the other way around. I think, actually, I think it was. I think it was one carry yeah, for seven. Reverse. One one catch for a yard. Uh, Banagoo, I thought was good. Um EJ Speed wasn't active. I guess he just can't help you out on special teams right now. That would be my guess there. But again, for this season to to end 
in a in a uh, God, I almost said Super Bowl for this season to end in a playoff team. Your rookies have got to be impactful. From Jr., what is your assessment of the secondary, and do you think yesterday's performance might be a concern for the Colts this season? I thought that was a struggling performance from the secondary. Rocky seen Joey. Um, you know, Quincy Wilson had the penalty. Pierre to Sears tackling. Um, I didn't like what I saw from the secondary. Was it Willis that bit on the play fake? I think one time when when, when he got in the game, a deep crosser to Keenan Allen, or maybe it was Mike Williams. God, Mike Williams got hurt in that game too. Yeah, three he, points on for me. But <laughs> hopefully he's all right. But yeah, it was. It seemed like the Chargers had a ton of injuries yesterday. Look, like a lot of in-game injury. Like Ingram got hurt. Oh yeah, Squires got hurt. Quentin Nelson um, blew up Ingram. Did you see yes, that? He spun know. right into him. That was a that bam. was the fourth downer. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, secondary though, Joey, I would like to have seen better. Especially when you have four sacks, you feel like that your secondary should. I don't know. Should have played better. I, I know Philip Rivers is a great quarterback, but I didn't see the improvement that I thought could be there from the secondary. You're right, though. It seems like each one of them had their own different, yeah, kind of kryptonite yesterday. That uh, was that all was of them. I, I don't, exp- you know, I guess Hooker may be the only one, but even he- you know, could he have gotten to Keenan Allen on the third and thirteen quicker than he did when Rocky seen? Right. I feel like Keenan. I mean, he's a stud, but man, he was wide open a lot. Oh yeah. And in overtime, like, that that drive was just too easy with Allen and Henry doing the vast majority of the work early on. From official YOLO swag, why can't we run screens and get productive yards off of them consistently? Because I've seen a lot of this last year, and there's no improvement. Chargers tore the Colts up on screens. I mean, Eckler had a, some big, big plays in the screen game. That, that was a problem last year. I thought the Colts improved in their wideout screens late in the season, but just... There's a timing mechanism to it that I feel like is not there. I, I think what also hurts the Colts is Marlon Mack is, isn't involved in the pass game. So when Hines is in the game, there's probably a chance that you're throwing it. I don't think Mack had a catch yesterday or or a target. So it's like you're a little bit predictable when Hines is in the game, whereas the Chargers yesterday, right. Eckler or Jackson, they're a little bit less predictable. So I think that's something that, that, that might need to change going forward. From Travis, will Funchess likely go on IR? How could this affect us, and who fills his shoes? It's a great question, Travis. Um, you know, I hate to be too kind of skeptical on that right now. You know, part of me, Joey, thinks if he's only going to be out, let's say, a month and a half, you wouldn't put him on IR. Like, from an injury standpoint, you can get by right now. Because if you put him on IR, they got to miss at least eight weeks. Right. So I think that's something that I would probably lend towards no. You don't have a lot of injury issues right now. Uh, but that, that'll that be something that is a question for Frank Reich later today. Matthew wants to know, when will the curse of one-year deal wide receivers of either getting hurt or being really bad end? <laughs> it's been a rough go the past three so far. Rough go, man. Homeboy Ryan Grant out in Oakland now. It's going to be like the Cleveland quarterback jersey. Yeah. Like you could just make yeah. a Colts wide receiver one and just Aiken Grant. <laughs> Hayward Bay. Hayward Bay. Yeah. Akeem Nix. Yeah. A lot of them. Man. Um, yeah. You feel bad for Funches. You know, I thought he he stepped up in some big moments for you yesterday. And yeah, I don't know. Any agent around the NFL next year, they might want to think twice before the Colts come calling about their free agent <laughs> wideout. 
from Elliot. Losing a side was yesterday a net positive or a net negative? Ooh, that's a good one, Elliot. Uh, there are definitely positives to be taken from this game, without a doubt. I'm always of like in a 16 game NFL season, you know, <laughs> maybe you get one moral victory, maybe, but just this team in general, I don't think there's a lot of room for error. So it's kind of like, that's a great opportunity on the road to steal one. Is Jacoby Brissett going to play like that every game this season? Is the rushing game going to give you over 200 yards? Are you not going to turn the ball over? All of those things. Yeah, I mean, I I think there, again, there are a ton of positives to take from this game moving forward. Um, a lot of it probably depends on what your expectations were for this season. For the crew that thought 10 or 11 wins, that was a game that you could have stolen yesterday. And I think gotten there. Now, now what you've done, which I mean, I expected the Colts to lose this game. I think a lot of, well, I think a decent amount of people did. Um, I think it's something to where you look at the schedule. You'd probably put at Chargers as one of your five or six toughest games you'll have all year, even with how many injuries LA had yesterday. But what it does again is it's tighten the margin for error because now you're going down to Tennessee. Boy, you really feel like you need that one. Yes, home games against the Falcons and Raiders look winnable, but you're just putting more pressure on those games. From Hunter Spencer, are we going to target Campbell more often? Yes, I think you need to. I think you, I think you have to. And um, yeah, I think Frank Reich really was just, hey, this run game's working. I'm sticking with it. I don't care what anybody says. And it worked definitely. But I think for this offense, this offense needs more chunks. And I think Frank Reich will tell you that. Paris Campbell can give you that. But it was interesting seeing Paris Campbell kick return. Yeah. It 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 was very clear to me, I think, that Paris Campbell, you could tell, okay, he's catching up to speed. As fast as he is, he's catching up to the NFL speed in his first game. Yeah. He, I, he didn't seem like he was just unleashed. I, I think that's fair to say. And it's it's interesting, Joey, no snaps for Chester Rogers. Yeah. I would think of the Devin Funches injury, you're going to retain Chester Rogers. Obviously, he's your punt returner. But that's really why he's on this team right now. Strictly to catch punts. If Zach Pascal's on this team to pass to run block, and Chester Rogers on this team to catch punts. Now the Funches injury might bring them a little bit more into play, but that'll be something to watch. From Jordan Kane, uh, no relation to Dion, I don't believe. Should we be worried at all that on a day where Marlon had nearly two hundred yards rushing and Jacoby had nearly two hundred yards passing with no picks, that we still lost? If someone told me those would have been the stallions before the game, I would have thought we would win big time. Spot on, Jordan Kane. Spot on with that. I mentioned the stat earlier. I mean, look. I mean, you, you can look around the NFL, not even just Colts. If you rush for more than 200 yards, you don't commit a turnover. Just those two stats right there by themselves. Then you throw in the caveat of Jacoby Reset throws for two touchdowns and has a pass rating over 120. That is a win 99% of the time. So that's where I sit here to myself, Joey, and I'm like, that's hope. That that's optimism moving forward. And then I'm like, is that recipe going to be there week in and week out? Like that's just don't know. Yeah, you yeah. just I, I just don't know if you can rely on that. From Luke Dillon, will Eric Ebron's productivity be down compared to last year based off of yesterday? Well, I would say that the whole Ebron in, or the Funches injury is is something that we have to watch. All right, tight end snap counts, Joey. Serum. Doyle, forty three of sixty three. Ebron, 25. Mo'Ally Cox, 13. 
Ebron, three targets, one catch. Mo Cox, one target, one catch. Jack Doyle, two targets, one catch. So what I say, 25 for Ebron? Yes. To end the Colts half, the Colts had a five-play drive. To end the game, they had a 16-play drive. So they're right there, that's 21 snaps that they probably were in. Not full-on two-minute mode, but I would say the personnel was pretty close to two-minute mode. I'd be very interested to know how many of those snaps Eric Ebron played. I'm assuming it was a lot. I just think this is how Frank Reich's going to roll. Like, Jack Doyle and Mo Cox give you a versatile presence in the in the blocking game. And yep. While also being able to catch passes. Correct. Yeah. And so I, I just think that's how it's largely going to be. Eric Ebron, and this is what we saw last year. And Eric Ebron admitted during the offseason, i got to become a better blocker if I want to play. Based off week one, the Colts are still hesitant to fully committing to that. From DK, he wants to know, did did Krishan Hogan get picked up anywhere? DK Metcalf had a big opener. There's some big big rookie wideout games. Yeah. Week one, A.J. Brown, who the Colts will see next week in Tennessee. He looked tough. Krishan Hogan did not get picked up. And... I don't know, Joey. I maybe I've got a little bit of soft spot for the Indy native. You probably do as well. You've uh-huh. had him on your podcast a couple times. Yep. I I'd like to see Christian Hogan in that building on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, especially with similar body type, for you know, sure, it's, for sure. it's and I think it's something that we've mentioned before, Joey. If you have the injury to a wideout, and I say wideout because Devin Funches doesn't play special teams, to me that's where a guy like Hogan would come into play. Whereas he's not going to return stuff for you as a kicker punt returner. But if you're going to involve another bigger wideout into your game plan, that's where I would maybe bump Hogan up over bumping Rodgers or Zach Paschal up. From Michael Taylor, are you concerned with Reich's comments after the game about Adam Benatari? feel like they are blinded by his past greatness. Wasn't hitting the ball that clean last year and now flat out missing. It has to be concerned with his age and costing them the game. Well, I, I I guess this is the one Vinatieri comment that I did want to sneak in there. Um, Frank Reich's quote after the game, he's the one guy I'm not worried about. We have the greatest kicker of all time. He didn't have a good day. There are a lot of guys that didn't. Joey, honestly, to me, that's a lot of coach speak. Yeah. And kicker's a fragile position. And even Adam Vinatieri, you know, like, he's a lot less fragile than any kicker in NFL history. But like, what else are you going to say? I think it's behind a closed door, Chris Bowden's staff, and you go to Bubba Ventrell, the special teams coordinator, and say, all right, that list of kickers that we potentially need to bring in for a tryout, can we uh, double back on that list? You know, we, we don't need to bring it out this week, maybe, but I need to have that list readily available. I think that's what you do. So you give them a vote of confidence publicly, that's how Frank Reich rolls, too. You know, he, he he's going to do that. And you trust that the 24-year career and the 46-year-old can still do it. But if it happens again, that list gets brought out. Steven wants to know, with Campbell taking over a kick returner, is Pascal just a blocking tight end now? <laughs> um, yeah, it seems like it. Did Pascal have a catch? I don't think so. Like I said, I don't even really remember him being in there, yeah. so... No targets, no man. That's tough. Play twenty four snaps and you don't have a target. No targets, nothing for Zach Pascal. Yeah, but again, now the Funchess injury. Does he get more run? 
from Francisco. That's fun to say on a Monday morning. Francisco asks, do you think the Colts win the game? Have they won the overtime coin toss? You think maybe Reich Eberflus were surprisingly conservative in the beginning of that last drive? They got close too fast. Well, it's not Reich. It's all Eberflus making the calls on the defense. I don't know. If they win the coin toss, do they get in the end zone? I don't, you know. Obviously, they have a better chance of winning the football game, but I just I cannot believe how wide open the middle of the field was mm-hmm. that entire overtime drive. I mean, to me, at that point of the game, Keenan Allen has burned you. I'm doubling Keenan Allen constantly. Was Kenny Moore stuck in man on Keenan Allen, maybe one of those plays? Seemed like he might have been. Um, and then, obviously, I'm just saying, boys, we just got to come up here and tackle. Tackle better. And you really didn't even get a chance to tackle. It was just a lot of vertical passing game down the seam. Yeah. And that was frustrating because they feel like up the middle, that's where you should be good with Leonard and Walker and obviously Hooker at the back end as well. A couple more here, KB. Uh, one from Wesley. Did this game make you want to change your win prediction for the Colts? I can't totally go there, Wesley. Do I think it's a better chance of 9-7 and seven versus 7-9? and nine? Yes. But... I don't know. I also feel like I need to be a man of my word and like try and stick with my eight and eight, and eight prediction when I thought that they would lose this game. Well, so, so it'll be interesting. And I'm not saying not making any prediction. I'm just saying you look ahead to week two now, going to Nashville, Tennessee, coming off that big win. Let's just say, not saying it's going to happen, YouTube. Let's just say if they go zero and two, yeah. then are people going to come back and say, right. "Are you changing your win prediction to less than eight and eight? Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I thought they'd lose the first two games of the season. Uh, there are encouraging moments from week one that make me think, okay, this is a team that could really make some noise late in the season. But um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not. Sorry, Wesley. All right, last one I got here from uh, our guy Ross Hansen. Should we be highly concerned to face the Titans next week, or are the Browns just worse than expected? Um, feel free to chime in, Joey. I, I don't know about highly concerned. I mean, I've always been more of a Titans guy than most. You know, I've said on this podcast, I, I like the balance they have on that football team. Like, uh, forcing three turnovers of Baker Mayfield is pretty impressive. Well, I guess more than that, but three interceptions is pretty impressive. Um, I think the Titans are good. I don't think they're like 11 or 12 win good, but I probably would have had them making the playoffs for the year started like a nine and seven ten and six sort of thing so well they're definitely gonna see with no luck okay this is our opportunity to strike again and beat the colts because they never finally. can finally yes. right especially because, at home yes i mean when's the last time they beat the colts in nashville honestly well they did with oh that's true with jacoby in 2017 yeah. the monday night okay right but again that's a game that i feel like you can throw that season out of the they have swept the colts one time, the first year of the AFC South's existence, and then in 2002, and then they did it in 2017. That's it. I mean, it's the Colts are the Titans' daddy. I mean, they are. Absolutely. So, how are they psyche-wise when they go back there? Because you know full well, it's easy to circle the Browns game on your calendar. All they're doing is talking about Cleveland. All they're doing is, that, you know, watch this. We're going to go up there and play well. Okay, they did. And that was a closer game than the final score indicated. It was like 12-6 for a large majority of that game. I think it was even 15-12 at one point in the third quarter, and then just the floodgates open. Mm-hmm. So, 
Look, it's going to be a tough football game. Colts, I think, are a three-point underdog. I think is the early line that Definitely I've seen. Definitely can't tackle like you did against. The, that is spot on right LA. there. Yeah, Delaney Walker and Derrick Henry will be having a field day there. So, um, does that wrap up Twitter? Tw- yeah, Twitter that's time? all I got. You know, something that I wanted to mention with our Thursday podcast this year, I probably will stay away from Twitter questions on the Thursday podcast. If you have any throughout the week, and I guess when I when I say that, I won't ask for Twitter questions. If you ever have them throughout the week, just DM me or tweet them at me, and we will get to them on Thursday's podcast, but I'm not going to spend a half hour on Twitter questions yep. on, on, on Thursday. I want to get that to be an opponent preview. It's late in the week. You guys don't want to hear, I think, an hour-long podcast. I want to keep that to like 30 or 45 minutes each week. But again, if there are Twitter questions, um, I will definitely get to them. And uh, I think that's how we'll roll during the season. Monday morning, Thursday afternoon-ish is when we'll have our two podcasts. Sweet, man. What else we got uh, the rest of the week besides going ahead uh, on Thursday? Yeah, just posted something on the website about Adam Vinatieri and what the Colts need to do with evaluating him moving forward. Obviously, later today, we'll have an update on Devin Funches and just how the Colts should handle that moving forward as well. And uh, first divisional game of the year. First time the Colts have started on the road. Weeks one and two since 2004. Been quite a while. And uh, this will be a big one against a team that definitely looked good in week one. So he's Joe Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. Thank you guys for tuning in to this edition of Kevin's Corner. 1075thefan.com has all your latest Colts coverage here with the 2019 season underway. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.